listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Rose. How's it going? Not bad. It's been a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, it's been a nice kind of month off, so to speak. I've been kind of enjoying it for all sorts of different reasons, helping the partner out, needing a break on my own burnout schedule. So I've been sleeping, eating, and reading a lot of books. All yeah, books. It's been great. All the books. I hear you. Um, yeah, same here. Uh, more like, you know, taking time off to then go do the painting job that's not this, and also um, being able to do some deeper dives into uh, some of my other studies that I've been doing with the Irish Pagan School as well. So that's been kind of exciting and fun. But tarot keeps calling you back as it does. Yes, it does. It really, really does. So happy September, everyone. Right. Happy September. Hopefully you enjoyed the month off and hopefully you enjoyed our uh, fun little gifts of uh, the past episode we did with Andy. And yes, we look forward to uh, more of this again, now that we're all back and refreshed. So let's jump right back in because again, we've been working on Tarot for Yourself with by Mary Kay Greer. Uh, we're trying to do one chapter at the beginning of every month as just as a reminder, in case you're wondering folks what we're doing again. And uh, we were on chapter four and we're taking it a little slow because we want to make sure we do deep dives. That's why we give it a month yes. of this. So, um, so, but this month, the chapter had to do with the Celtic cross. And I think between the two of us, I don't know. Well, okay. I can't speak for Jamie. I won't. I'll let her do her own talking. But I can tell you for me, I did the Celtic, standard Celtic cross for about, I want to say about like that first year of doing tarot reading, maybe even that, maybe not even that long. Because again, it just didn't click for me um, when I was studying. But again, it's a standard. It's in almost every tarot book that you find, I think. Yeah. 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 You studied it longer than I did or used it longer than I did. I got mine with the little U.S. games, Mm -hmm. um, the the little white booklet. And I think I tried it twice. (laughs) I know I I took at least two legitimate photos. And we're not talking, you know, cell phone photos. We're talking, you got to send them in to get developed photos because that's what I did back then. And I never understood the Celtic cross because when you're 13, what do you mean by past? What do you mean by hopes and dreams? You know, what, you know, they, they only had so much space in the booklets. I mean, I know this because I write it, but it just didn't tell my little brain at that age how much more. So I just remember, gosh, this is way too hard and I shouldn't have done it. However, reading through Mary's book, holy cow, she did such a great job in breaking it down that I really wish I had this when I was that old. I know that the book did come out about the time I bought the deck, but I don't remember seeing that first edition in the the stores at the mall. So I really didn't know any of this. So yeah, I used it twice. And then I just, I, I hated it. I never used it again. I, it just, you know, I fell off my radar. And I remember an earlier episode of a podcast called Tarot Visions, I think you might have heard of it with Rose Red and Charles Harrington, hmm. like bunch a couple of years ago. Ah, they they interviewed somebody who did a modified Celtic cross, and this is a seven card spread where it uses the the original six card um, cross, as Mary kind of describes it in chapter four, but it skips seven, eight, and nine. So like the hopes, dreams, fears. Um, so it skipped the staff, if you will. Because yeah, yeah. when, you're, when, you, when you're talking about the Celtic cross, as a reminder, listeners, uh, the way it comes through in those little white books is you have your first card is in the center, crossed by a second card, and that's supposed to be you and the things that, that get in your way or, 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 or are bothering you. And then there's the card above these two, which is what's above you. And then there's the one that's the below you card. That's number four. Um, and then there's to the left and to the right or to the right and to the left, depending on which book you used. And then you've got seven 
eight, nine, and 10 as their own separate line. Mm -hmm. And of course, seven is the bottom card, 10 being the top. Yeah. And 10 is, quote unquote, the end of your spread. Yeah, the At least that's how the little white books, huh? The outcome card, right. Um, yeah, and, and the modified took out the seven, eight, nine, but left the outcomes. So it kept mostly the, the nice uh, trine of doing six, six individuals, and then you do two, three card readings, the, the cross, if you would, and then going straight into the outcome. So I've used that at mostly events or in some occasions for friends to do the generic ratings that I do. So that's my extent of using the Celtic cross, but you used it for a whole year. Well, that's because it was something that everyone was familiar with. And it was also in those one-on-one readings, not at event readings, because there's just no time at those kind of things. But when you have the time, sometimes, you know, you can get a lot out of it. But sometimes it also felt stale to me because the other way of describing that very first card is you had to just pick a random card and it's your significator. And I never really grasped what that meant because it didn't feel like it was a card you chose mm-hmm. in, in the sense of it made sense to you. Because I think if, if I remember back then it was like take all the court cards out and pick one of the court cards it wasn't take the whole deck and and as I've grown and used the cards more I've done it when I do them and I don't do them very often I will use the whole deck for that significator not just the courts because it just didn't make sense for me now mind you I'd read through Mary's chapter four uh previously so that's kind of why that year of using it worked for me and then, as you pointed out, that tarot visions a bajillion years ago when we got the Charlie and I chatted with our guest, whom I've forgotten. Um, we'll look it up later. And it'll be in the show notes, of course. Um, but yeah, changing it up. And then I also was very lucky that I got to go to Pantheacon when it was happening and um, was in a class taught by Anastasia Hazler. And she kind of twisted the Celtic cross for me and did triangles. Hmm. So it became more of, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, two triangles, seven, eight, nine. And then the 10th card, I believe was in the middle. I I don't remember the spread. I'll, I'll find it, but it was just a different way of looking at the Celtic cross because again, she had that same issue of these don't quite work because how do you get them to interact with each other? Yeah. But when you do it in the triangle layout, you can see the connections a little bit more clearly. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to read three cards in a row rather than try and do a, you know, you in, well, the individual calls cards by themselves easy, but when you have to combine all 10 together, it's like, huh? That's yeah, too much for my brain to handle. Yeah. And again, how do they connect when they're all over the place and they're not next to each other? And I think that was the beauty of these other two spreads as we talked about being able to take that information. But again, as, as you also pointed out when on this reread of, of Mary's book and seeing, Oh, well maybe we missed something. And then just, Oh, we could have done it in different ways. Cause she describes them. You know, turns the pages. You can yes. do it in a traditional, you can do it in, you know, ask these questions of the, these spaces instead of the way uh, we're used to doing it. So that was kind of cool. Um, I loved the meaning of the position section. I know we're kind of jumping ahead a few pages, listeners, but I loved this because it really broke it down and gave you more than just like card one is like current where you stand at the moment, card two being challenges or what, you know, what's your hurdle. I, I really liked this idea of uh, card two possibly being manifestation or these other ways that you could look at it. It's that was something I never thought about because like I said, once you read a, a, a small white book, and you, you're told over and over that card one is yourself, card two is your challenges, you, you know, you figure that's it. Right. There's no mystery. There's no change behind it. And once again, Mary blows our minds and shows us why she's the master because she actually delves into all this stuff and explains it. And that was just, I think that thing right there, just those 10 little sections might have changed my mind a little bit about the Celtic cross itself and why I giving it a second it. chance. Yeah, yeah. Giving it a totally a second chance with all 10 cards rather than the modified that I've been using. Yeah. Well, and I think too, we all, we as tarot readers 
find our paths, find our ways. But sometimes going back and rereading these books that we've read reminds us of things we'd forgotten because, you know, your body and your, your brain works in weird ways that it doesn't always you know, absorb everything and it doesn't always stick and it doesn't always come to mind right away. And if it's not something that says, yes, I'm keeping this in that moment, you let it go. Mm -hmm. So I recommend to everyone to go back and read something that you still use it on the general level and go back and see what you're missing. It's like going and watching a movie and seeing it again. There's things you see a second time around or a third time around. Same with reading. There's that thing you missed the first time you, you find it again, the third and fourth and fifth time. Um, at least that I do. Let me put it that way. The one thing I really enjoyed though, about this particular chapter was doing that very first exercise using just your body and how the cards feel around you. Yeah. How yeah. did that work for you? That was interesting and kind of fun. I mean, there are times where I've done the the mental tarot deck reading, so to speak. I've, I've done it in a dentist chair where somebody asked me a question. And when you're sitting in your dentist chair, you can't really give an actual reading. So sometimes you, you tumble out a card while as you're talking, this card came to mind, you describe the image, and then maybe you pull out one of the meetings and that's kind of a quick little reading. Mm. So... Here, I liked it. And I, I, I liked the positioning. I mean, you can do this in meditation. This is a wonderful form of tarot meditation is, you know, mm -hmm. physically embody a Celtic cross and see what comes up in the moment. And so my, my cards that I did when I did this exercise, the head was the magician. Mm -hmm. The left hand was the three of pentacles. Mm -hmm. The right hand was the seven of cups. My spine was the Ten of Swords. And there are some reason, my reasonings behind this was my magician is where I manifest things. So I tend to think in my head, it's the magician a lot more. Sometimes the Empress. However, the Empress came up as the heart. So I'm skipping a little ahead there too. But with just those first four cards, my left hand is my creative card um, holder or my pencil holder, if you will. So I am left-handed. I am a Southpaw. Right. And so I create the magic with my left. So the three of pentacles that came in for the idea of collaboration. And the day that I was doing this, I was doing a lot more talking to people and collaborating with my partner and other people and Rose in the past. And yeah, so it's just been poof, got to get this done. The right hand is my trouble hand. I only use three fingers on that hand, my thumb and the first two fingers. Um, disability issues and other things. The way I grew up, I just never really used all five. So the seven of cups kind of makes sense because to me that's make good choices or that panicked, you know, decisions, too many choices. And a lot of the times I wish sometimes I had a third hand because I'll be like, I'll have two, two things in my hand and I'm like, but I can't do this third thing and I really want that third thing and why can't I do it? So it makes sense that that right hand's kind of that confusion, unclarity, too much stuff. And I can't really clearly grasp it because, again, I don't see myself as having a fully functioning hand. The spine is the Ten of Swords. And lately, my back has been hurting. So for me, this is that physical thing of just done. I, I just, I'm tired. My back's hurting. And it affects everything from... The, uh, my hips up, so to speak. So, you know, that gets in the way of doing a lot of work. And one of the reasons why I took August off in, in, in some cases, because um, I just needed that physical break from the computer, a physical break from kind of playing with cards. There was like a whole week where I didn't really touch the cards. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wrote down, I pulled the card for the daily draw, but I didn't write it down. I just kind of laid it out and just noted things. Yeah. Took pictures and stuff and just to be able to have that track, but I didn't really do much other than that. And that was great. I mean, like I said, I read a lot and reading to me on the, on the tablet was easier because I could use my right hand or I could just hit the space bar instead of hold the weight of a book and tweak my shoulders out. So those were the first four cards. And like I said, the Empress card was my heart. And that's because it's my, one of my birth cards. And my center is the creative powers that I've got. So that'll always probably be the Empress unless something kind of changes in my life. And it'll be interesting to see if it changes. The solar plexus is the devil. And I relate the solar plexus. <laughs> 
I relate it to the belly. No, I'm laughing because you're going to, I'm looking at mine while oh, you're talking and I'm like, this is fantastic. Anyway, and you know, every time we do these chapters and I, we do it alone and I always keep thinking, wonder what Rose is going to get. I wonder how many cards of similarities we're going to get. And yes, the solar plexus was my devil because I have a love hate relationship with food, my body and stability. So devil kind of plays into that kind of love hate thing where it's like, Right now, a um, couple of weeks ago, I posted about how all I wanted to eat was blueberries on Twitter, and I still am kind of doing that. That's my breakfast. I eat between 16 ounces on up of blueberries because they're so good. And I'm Blueberries kidding. are delicious. Blueberries are delicious. <sighs> they are. Okay, so, so you got So what I got, so when I was doing this, what came to mind for my head was the Queen of Wands okay. because of passions of my mind. Yeah. Then my left hand was the three of swords um, because it kind of is that stability of standing the test of time. Um, In my right hand was the king of swords because he's so mighty and strong and I am right-handed. So it's like, this is my hand of power. I'm going to beat the nuts out of everyone. She's she's virtually punching me right now, everybody. Yes. Well, not you, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And then at the base of my spine was the queen of swords because strength of body. Oh. Um, and if you've met me, you know that I am not the, in the best of shape and you know, I, I'm, I am happily round. Um, but I know that because of the strength of who I am, what I do and how I do it, I have that strength going up my spine being very, very, this is who I am. I will stand up straight and, if need be, I'll put a corset on, God damn it. But I'll be, be able to stand, you know? So then for my heart card, I got the lovers. And then my solar plexus was death, actually. Oh, okay. My brain was like, is it death or is it devil? Is it death? Is it devil? Is it death? Is it devil? It kept flipping. So I just went, no, pick one. And death was the winner. <laughs> gotcha. So, and so for that, it's like the heart, you know, the lovers being my birth card, ironically enough, that's the other half of it. Um, so that, you know, that's that love and that, that sharing of joy and all of that. So that made sense for my heart. But for my solar plexus with death, it was the, the pains that we all have as human beings, that we've been, especially right now. I think that's kind of the other reason why it came up is because of what we're all going through right now with the COVID and all of that mm-hmm. stuff and not being able to see our families and things like that because I've also been doing a lot of um, and ancestry.com digging yeah and so it's been like those pains of okay how do i find things who do i talk to how do i connect with people who who are these people that made me and so and i it's just like some of that stress of trying to pull in all of those connections and figuring out where they actually lead and are they good and are they bad and then of course bringing up memories of my past life and not i.e. before I was married to Andrew, past, not gotcha. any time. I'm not doing that kind of weirdness right now. At least not yet. You never know. But yeah, so that was, it was, it was kind of that. So that's why that death card came up, I think, is to be, you know, being willing to, to see those pain and, and to let some of that stuff go. I can see both of them. I mean, again, we went to the same place with the heart card, our birth card. Yeah. And for me, there is that connection of the devil, the, you know, let's be lazy or let's, you know, overeat or let's, you know, give into X, Y, Z addictions or, you know, strengthen away from it or whatnot. But death as well, because that's also transformation and change, which is also scary in stuff. So I can totally see devil and death kind of being almost the opposite coins yeah. to the lovers, not numerically, but just kind of messages wise. So I love that. Yeah, I, mean, I was really, really good. And then, of course, you know, the other thing that I really enjoyed about this whole chapter is, you know, her touching on the different ways to look at readings and also some of the lore of where the the symbol came from. Um, I was a little kind of mm, about uh, the whole Christian cross business because Again, having do, doing the digs and the dives of Irish history and Celtic, those crosses were there at, 
before Christianity and during Christianity, and they kind of cross over with each other. They, they, you know, the symbol of that cross also has to do not just with the Christianity part of it, but blending of the, of the Celtic ways of seeing the world. And then, you know, so Mm -hmm. it was just interesting to read and, and kind of dissect that a little bit more in my head. Yeah. And for me, it's but it was interesting because I never thought about it. I mean, I've got a um, pendant that's a um, a Celtic cross that my father got when he was over in England, and I kind of knew a little bit about the history, but I never knew things like you know we we say it's the most ancient reading, but here what I love Mary saying is no. The, her, um, the Golden Dawn basically said that this is a, an appropriate reading that you could put in a book that doesn't, you know, go against our oath-breaking thing. It's, you know, and they, she does use the term, in quotes, gypsy or mundane. You know, it's, it's not of our order. So, yeah, go ahead, you know, wait, throw this into, a, into your book as you're writing your thing so that they can have a spread to use. It's not going to be any of our hidden or secretive stuff. So I thought that stuff was kind of interesting that, you know, there, there were, that came about. Yeah. So when you do do these readings for yourself, because you've now said you modify them, how does, yeah. how did it feel having to do it the, the, the regular way? Cause again, that's the other thing you get to do is you get to do the Celtic cross that she sold us. Mm-hmm. How did that feel for you having not done it really ever? it's so long and you know and actually being able to interpret yeah I never went back I wonder I still wonder what happened to those pictures I keep thinking I know I've got them in a I'm sure they're with the family somewhere and they're probably been trashed in photo albums so I don't have them but it felt different because when I do the modified Celtic cross um so we're going by what Mary says in the book so one is you know one and two are the the center points that dot that Mary will call mm-hmm. four is the bottom five is to the left. Um, wait, no, one, no, three is the bottom four is to the left. Five is the top six is to the right. And that is, um, well, at least that's what she has in her book in the diagram. Okay. And so I usually, when I read it's, I do one and two mm-hmm. separately. Right. And then I kind of talk about how they work together. Right. Then I do, um, I ask the client, do you want to do four, which is the left or past, or three, which in, in the modified, it's the unknown, what is not known. And then they'll direct me and then I'll read four, the, the center card, which to me is one and six. Right. And then I'll do either three, two, and five, or, you know, however they, they want it. Right. And then I do the outcome card. So it's, it's a little bit different than kind of what Mary does in hers, where she does, you know, center, what crosses the center, bottom, left, top, right, and then the, the staff going from bottom to the top. Right. And I, I kind of liked it. Um, again, you know, you can play around with these ideas and with the different, the meanings of positions section, you can really get into creating varieties of celtic crosses to meet the questions i don't i've never really done questions with celtic cross because there's so many cards and so many positions that i i view it as a generic or general diagnosis spread where you could just right here right now this is what the cards have for you to offer and that's kind of how i did my reading when i did it today the day of the recording today just because i wanted to see but with all these different kind of positions and playfulness that Mary gives you, you can really do a romantic Celtic cross. You can do a mental diagnosis Celtic cross or a creativity Celtic cross. And I, I will say listeners, I made a um, download PDF. It's a three page document that kind of shows Mary's way of reading it. And you can download this and make, you know, your own and fill it out on your own if you would like. So that'll also be in the show notes, a link in the show notes for you to find and do. So it also helped me figure out the pattern because again, when you do your own things or modifications over and over, you fit, forget what the book or the, the, the source material, quote unquote, is giving you. So that's how I read the cards. How did you read them? Did you read them as Mary taught back then or... Back then I did, and then I modified it. So for me, when I when I used that center card, 
I would do those two cards would be yourself and then what's crossing you. And then I would go above was number three and then below is number four. So what's above you and what's below you. So, and then I would say, you know, what's to the right of you or the left of you and the right of you. And it would be the left and right of the person who's doing the reading. Gotcha. Uh, The thing to remember when you're looking about talking about rights and left where cards are Generally speaking, when people who are talking about this, they're talking about them as the reader, not as the person receiving the reading. Um, So I always make sure that that's very clear when I ask, okay, so what about to the left of this reading and to the right of this reading? Um, But I also like the added bonus of thinking about it as the, you know, north, south, east, and west. Mm -hmm. And those elements of the fire, the water, the air, and the earth – and bringing that back in. Cause I kind of use that occasionally, but this time I was like, Oh, I'm going to add that layer as well to when I was doing my reading. And then of course, having those extra seven or the seven, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, I still am a little hesitant on the, the using number nine as a, um, your, your hopes and dreams, if I remember correctly. Now I'm going to go cheat and look at my book. She says it's the lesson you need to learn card. What must you resolve for further development to take place? Well, according to the traditional version, yeah. it's both both your hopes oh, and yeah. fears of, of attaining the goal. Gotcha. I was and I remember that one very distinctly when I did readings in the past because that card was both could be both. And that's where a lot of uh, people, when I have these conversations outside of this recording kind of stuff, I ask people about that. And I've heard really interesting stories about it. Like somebody getting the, uh, the 10 of cups in that spot. And yes, we all know I love the 10 of cups, but the whole point of her reading was she was trying to find out about love and all of the cards were saying she needed to work on herself. She needed to do all this personal interior work and she only focused on that nine, um, that ninth position of hopes and fears because it was the Ten of Cups, which, you know, some people look at it. It's the love card. It's the happy it's card. Happy yeah. card. And I think the thing is, is that really what the point of that was in that position was this is what you want and you're afraid of not getting it. Yeah. But if you do all this work, you will be able to attain that. And then the, I don't remember what the, ten, the, the outcome was, but she couldn't look at anything else anymore. And I think that's what we also need to remind ourselves as we give readings is that we need to listen to what the querent is asking us and really remind them to look at everything. Because sometimes it's hard. Because when you go and get a reading and you really want to have this particular answer and you're going to necessarily, you might glom on to the card that's closest to the answer you wanted. Yes. Even if it's really not what is being said. I think that's one of the reasons why I don't do anything over than five or six cards in an hour long rating. It's because more cards out there, it can kind of confuse your clients and then they can pick and choose or, define their own cards based on what you said because you know you did uh nine other cards earlier and so only this last card is really going to count or you know i i there's only one nice card on the table so that's the one i'm going to glom onto because that one's prettier than everything else right so i you know when you have less cards on the table they don't get overwhelmed with the pretty pictures or the meanings or the uh 45 to 55 minutes of babbling that or a conversation that you're doing Right. Well, and and also you can, for yourself and for your person that you're reading for, I say take photographs. Mm -hmm. And also, if you can offer a recording, let them record it. Because then they can go back and actually hear everything you said. They may still ignore it. And that's okay. But this way they hear it. Um, It was the one thing I really appreciated when I actually got a reading from Mary myself. Is she offered, hey, do you want to record this? I'm okay if you record this. And I think I said yes, and we both forgot to push the button because we both started talking. Oh, it no. happens. It does yeah, happen. I know. But the point is, is that I still took photographs of the pic- of the cards, so I, I still had that physical reminder. And I think you're right. Having too many. Ten is, ten is on the high end for me. Um, I generally do a five-card reading, and then I add maybe two more. 
just because it's it's my modified version. Gotcha. Um, of a cross in a way. And I'll say that that's something I did do in this actual reading that I did today, where I did all 10. And then during the, the cross, when Mary has you do the two cross, three, three card reading cross, you know, things, I did draw an extra card for each one because I saw the story and it, there was something missing that I should have done, or how do I get from this card to that card? And so I drew an extra card to kind of give me that information of, okay, if I want to break this cycle, how do I do it? Or if I want to get to this end, how do I do that? So, and I think she even talks about that in the chapter saying you can add extra cards for meeting, but she generally doesn't do it because 10 cards, again, is a lot of cards out there on the table. Right. And again, if you need clarification or extra help, then totally bring out the more cards if you have to. And I don't think Jamie or I are advocating that you don't. We're just saying on your first pass, maybe not. Yeah. You know, stick to whatever the, the spread is that you're doing and don't add until you start discussing. Because again, you don't want to get the, the person or even yourself, because I know I've done it to myself over the years, where I'm like, oh, I don't quite understand this card. Let me pull more. Oh, it's made it even harder. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. you know? or, or, oh, no, I remembered the thing. And, and then I only focused on the last card because it was the one that made the most sense. Yeah. Forgetting the other two that led up to that last card. And something that just hit me as we're talking mm-hmm. is that you can also break up the Celtic cross in a way if you want to learn it in two parts because there is the the six card cross and then the staff so to speak play with six cards first see how they interact see how well they you can get a grasp on how they read and then do it the same with the four cards just lay down those four card staffs and see how they work and interact so you can learn and then mix the two together and do a full 10 card because breaking it down and breaking any spread down to manageable chunks is a good way to learn it i mean they didn't have us start doing multiplication in school when we were in kindergarten they taught us how to add single digit numbers first added uh, two digit numbers etc cetera, etc cetera. So there's a lot that you can do to learn and see the power of this. I mean, again, thank you, Mary, for kind of getting me back into it. But again, I'm not sure this is something I'm going to jump right into giving clients for because it's a lot of cards. However, I will be playing around with this to see how I can do it with myself. Because when you're doing readings for yourself, as the book suggests, you have more time where you can, you know, take your time and do all the, the steps that Mary outlines in this book for the Celtic Cross. Right. And just as a quick note, and because I, I know we mentioned it a little bit, but the tarot triangles, I wanted to go back really quick and tell you how, what the, so you okay. put your cards out, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So you have a, a big triangle, oh, but then you okay. can look at the relationships in the other triangles and make smaller triangles within that big triangle. And that's from Anastasia Hazler. So I, I bless her for actually sharing that one because it was one that I actually was able to understand better when using a Celtic cross, meaning without having a Celtic cross spread. And it really, it gelled some of those positions. And again, you can see the outcome at the top of your triangle. And it's kind of like, you know, the pyramid of how you build your stuff. And these four build onto these three, beat on two, and then on up. So I think looking at other people and how they've, reconstructed the Celtic cross really helps one understand even the basic Celtic cross. Once you've kind of figured out this other method, then you can put that information back into that old spread. And again, it livens it up a bit. Yeah. And that's the beauty of tarot. (laughs) It is. So do we want to actually reveal how our readings went? We can. We can. What deck did you use? Well, I'm still using the dark wood tarot with this book because Ah. I figured I just wanted to keep it um, simple for me because again, simplicity is, is fun and I didn't want to introduce too many elements and it also allows me to get used to this deck. So card one, I got the Knight of cups. Okay. And to me, I saw this as figuring out how to best follow my passions. And um, in Mary's world, card one is the, what's your inner focus 
on your energies card. Mm -hmm. So whereas normally I would consider this, where do I stand in the present moment or, you know, me in the current situation, she says the current focus on your energies, which is how to figure out how to best follow my own passions, which is kind of pretty much what I've been doing. And one of the reasons why I took all of uh, August off was to give myself the space to figure all this out or to reset, if you will. Okay. Card two answers the outer focus question of that um, cross for Mary. It's the, what is the outer focus to your energies? So this is uh, the eight of swords mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes perfect sense. And I see Rose kind of beginning to smile because she's beginning to see how it makes perfect sense. Uh, so this is figuring out how to get out of my own way, AKA stop the self-sabotage cycle because I tend to tie myself up when I'm figuring out my passions. So it's like, do I really want to do this or something? And then she has an intermediate step where she has you look at the two together, what conflict or tension is in your heart. And so there's this need for me to be following my dreams, being more productive writing, more tarot, more guidance to others. But at the same time, I'm stepping over myself because I'm always second guessing everything I'm doing or will people like the work that I'm doing or the way I'm saying it or, oh my God, this idea, even though it's been done before, et cetera, et cetera. And and listeners, if you've heard me for a while, if you know me personally, you're probably laughing and going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I hear that. I hear you. I'm I'm working on it. So then you kind of, you know, do this inner dialogue with it. Card three, I got the five of cups, Mm -hmm. which is the subconscious needs Mm -hmm. and worry and fears. So I, I I am in therapy. I've been dealing with a lot of the past and what has been going on and the grief and everything. And the five of cups is my subconscious need to kind of get all that out. So I can focus on the good stuff coming in. Mm -hmm. So I need to stop berating myself for, Oh God, that one book had an error just one error. Yeah. Oh God, I'm the worst. Nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to love it. You know, that's, that's where my mind goes sometimes when I do the things that I do. And again, Rose is kind of, you know, looking at me like, Oh God. But again, that's what happens. Card four is I'm smirking at you. Yeah. Yes. I'm smirking. And yeah. And card four is the ace of swords. This represents the talent of ability from your past to help you. And I I love this card because it's my ability to generate ideas. It's that here's your sword, here's your pen, go write all the ideas down. And I do, I I keep notebook at my desk. I use notes on my phone to generate ideas. I write even the weirdest thing down. Um, Sometimes I'll, you know, I don't know how that idea is going to come out, but then I'll talk it over to friends like Rose or my partner, Kendra, and then an amazing blog post or something else idea comes out of it. So I have this talent that I've always done in my past to be like the ideal generator girl. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm bringing in from my past. Card five is what do I think about the ideas and the ambitions? I got um, the eight of wands, which that was a hard card when you're 13. When you're 13, you see eight, eight wands flying out at you. You're like, what the heck does that really mean? But now we know it's kind of like the messages or the speed of the way that we like do abilities and projects or stuff, or at least that's how I consider it when I first look at the card. So it's like, I think about where the messages from spirit are, are coming from. How do I put my ideas and these messages and these ideas and these things that come to me into motion? Mm -hmm. I also think, why am I so driven? A lot of the times I feel like I don't have enough time. I mean, I know I have exactly as many minutes and hours and days as just about everybody else my age, but I feel like I never have enough time. I need more time. I need more time to do uh, decluttering. I need more time to write my ideas down. And it's like, no, I have enough time. But again, that goes into this push of why am I so driven? What is going on behind all that? Card six is the two of cups. This is the, how can I act and use talent in my future? Which again, I love this card. We go from idea generator to promoting my passion projects, freely sharing ideas, the things connecting and just being in love with the things that I do. Hmm. So again, that, you know, it's a nice, when we, when we do the three cards, this is a nice past to uh, present, so to speak, to a future lineage to look at. Card seven is the eight of pentacles. And this is how do I see myself in the situation? I am a hard worker. 
I, 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 again, I took this month off and I'm pretty impressed that I'm, I haven't done a whole lot. I mean, I have podcasted a little bit here in August. We're at the end of August doing this for September. But yeah, I am a hard worker because I want to manifest the ideas and the dreams and put them out and have people use them, scrutinize them and tell me how they use them and change and how it transforms their stuff. Card eight is the five of um, swords, and this is how I see others, or what is my environment? This is like that weird environment card. And sometimes I see people in direct conflict or competition to, to me. Like, again, with the creativity and stuff, with my general thinking, it's the rush to produce unique ideas. Even though we know there's no unique ideas out there, there's only unique perspectives. But you know, it's, it's that craziness that we have that I want to get this book out. I want to get it out before anybody out. So I can be number one. I want to be number one or just to be heard. Sometimes um, growing up, I was never heard. Um, my family would ask me a question. And if I didn't say just one word or two, they would turn their heads and talk to somebody else. So sometimes I do have this need, this driving force to be that five of swords person to be heard, to be seen you know, listen to my ideas, darn it, because I think they're pretty cool, even if they actually generally aren't, you know, and that's okay, too, because not all, all ideas are good. That's the thing. So card number nine is what lesson do I need to learn? And this is... And you got? I got the emperor, which also makes a lot of sense to me, because it's, to me, it's a boundary card. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I started learning last year is boundaries. How, where, what are my boundaries? Most of the times I don't know and I can't state what my personal boundaries or my professional boundaries are until somebody bounces off of them and I get kind of cranky. And I've been reading a lot of books and I've been learning a lot of what boundaries are and how they can be flexible or impermeable, et cetera, et cetera, how to use them how I identify them and occasionally I will write them down once I learn what they are. And I need, this card is telling me I need to learn that a little bit better. And I totally agree with it. It also is teaching me how to own and use my own power. Um, a couple of years ago at Reader Studio, uh, Rachel Pollock was doing one card draws for people um, during a lunch break. I, I, I remember being grabbed by Courtney or hearing Courtney giggle at something. And I turn my head and there's a whole table full of um, people standing around Rachel. And we had figured out that, oh, she's giving a card reading. And so she drew the emperor for me. And that's what she said to me is that I need to own my own power. I need to come into it. And that message has never really left me. So that's something else I tie into this lesson of begin continuing to own my own power, my truth, and being the, the, you know, an actual emperor, being that master. And the uh, card 10, while we call it the outcome card, just for generics, the book says individual expression in the future. And I got the three of pentacles here, which is to hold a more collaborative view, set myself up for success, mm -hmm. which is kind of generically what this card means to me. So kind of if I do all this stuff, I'm setting myself up for success. I'm going to be better off collaborating with others, continuing doing the things that I love and not being as burned out as I get. Now with those, um, she calls them the bonus line cards, you know, the, the line readings where you do cards four, two, and six, and then five, one, three, mm -hmm. you kind of do small little readings on those cards. And what I got for those um, were that um, one of them was my process for creativity. Mm -hmm. This is kind of how I do it. Um, you know, and from idea from that ace of, um, swords card all the way to the two of cups, but yet that middle card in there is that, you know, I'm going to totally break down and say this sucks. So I wanted to know how to break that cycle. How do you, how do I break that middle thing? And I got the hierophant which is trust my teaching and my learned abilities, which makes total sense. You know, in the creative process and when you're in flow, that's part of the creative process to, to self-doubt. It's to, you know, especially in the first draft. But I need to start trusting myself and trusting the process more and allowing myself to have more of that bump, you know, of you can do this, the, the cheerleader bump, so to speak. And then in cards five, one, three, 
you kind of see a, another kind of thing where I, there's this other pattern going on. And for those cards, I drew the devil, which is listen to my heart and desires over what others say. And that's kind of like the, the I, I saw this as kind of like the um, past, present, you know, challenge kind of area. Mm-hmm. So, or the past, present, where I stand kind of thing. And that's what I got from that. How about you? I know that I was a little bit more in depth probably than, you know, most people think. But again, this is kind of fun. And I love how yeah. you can read the cards separately. And then you start doing in that the first six cards, the three card readings, connecting them. Yep. And then using the, the other cards, you kind of add that second layer of depth to this reading. Yep. Well, breathe. Okay. Um, so for the first two cards, the first card I got was the Emperor. And um, so that's kind of what my inner focus needs to be more of being stronger and being more forceful of my ideas and stuff. And then the second card was the Ten of Wands. Nice. So it's like, okay, you don't have to carry everything inside. Put it outside. That's those two, you know, collaborating with each other. Mm-hmm. Um for my subconscious needs and desires that form the basis of this situation, I got the seven of pentacles. And it's like, okay, so you, you've put the seeds, you've planted the stuff. When are you going to make it grow? You kind of need to tend that garden. You can't just put it in the ground and go, I'm going to go do something else. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, um, and then for the fourth card, I got, um, for my talents and abilities, mm-hmm. I got um, the Hierophant. Oh. So kind of the teacher and the, the, the leader and the traditionalist sharing some of these ideas with others. You can't just keep them inside or else you're not going to be able to communicate with everybody. Um, yeah. For the fifth card about what you're thinking about and what your ideas and ambitions are in the situation, uh, for the fifth card, it was the King of Cups. Nice. So let the emotions flow and don't, don't, don't worry about it. You don't have to be all ah, about things. You can just let it go and move through it all. It'll be fine. Just do the work. Um, and then how will you act and use your ambitions? Card number six for the near future. I got the four of pentacles. Ah. So it's like investment and building and taking care of the situation to give it strength and stability. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then card seven was, um, how do you see yourself in this situation? The five of cups. <laughs> and that was just like, ah, in a way, because again, the, the five of cups is that person who has three things and they're, they're mourning the two things they don't have anymore. And it's like, oh, you don't need to remind me. Yeah, I remember that. Sometimes we don't look at what we have. We look at what we don't have. And it's just that reminder of, yes, you're doing that a little bit. You don't need to. It's time to come back, change your focus. Um, which, of course, then leads into how do you see others in this, in, with see you in the situation? You know, how do, how do people see you? And they see me as the Queen of Pentacles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm looking at myself going, oh, I don't have all the things. And other people are like, you got it all, baby. What are you doing? Let's see some of this, you know? And it's like, oh, right. Okay. So it's nice to hear that people do see what I'm doing, not just me worrying about I'm not doing enough. But again, when do we run out of time? We're always running out of time, right? I feel kind of like... um, that song from Hamilton, why do you always running, like you're running out of time? Because sometimes it feels like that. Yes, it does. So then for the nine, um, what you lessons do you need to learn? What must you resolve for further development to take place? Nine of Pentacles. Hmm. Having a garden, having the things, you, you have those things. So, you know, don't stress yourself out about it. That's the lessons. Once you do the thing, you'll have the thing, you know, you just got to put it out there and, and don't stress about it. It'll happen. Give it time. And of course the last one, what your visual expression in the future, 
based on your thoughts and energies uh, in the present? Death. <laughs> oh, wow. Transformation, transformation, and um, death. Yeah. So, you know, things have to die for new things to grow. So you got to let go of some of the past stuff. You don't need to be doing some of the things that you've done in the past. And, and that's really been a, a, a life hard, a hard life lesson for me uh, because there are times when, you know, you start doing something and you love it so much, but then it stops feeding your soul. But you've been doing it for so long and you loved what you had when you got those things that sometimes it's hard to break that habit. But once you do it, once you break the habit, you're like, oh, my God, I have all this free time to do this other thing I love. And grow into that. You just gotta... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really what it came down to for me is just trying to remind myself of those things. And then when we did the one, three, and five cards, you know, the emperor, the seven of pentacles, and the king of cups, there's those two strong male energies meeting at that middle joint of the seven of pentacles and it's like oh maybe i need a little feminine energy now to bring that back in and not be so so rigid i don't know um because again when you flip it to the other side you've got the ten of wands the hierophant and the four of pentacles which is kind of more being more feeding into your soul and feeding into that training and feeding into that teaching so maybe it's time to do a little more teaching who knows? Hey, maybe. Uh, so yeah, it's just been fun to like explore that and and really take another look at all of these cards in new ways and new fashions. I think that's great. Yeah, I I enjoyed at least this first reading that I've done with all ten in a long time. It's giving me a lot of good insight, a lot of good food to be able to move forward as I awaken from the 31 day slumber into September and reopening business, reopening everything and trying not to full steam ahead, you know, to be able to kind of ease into it more to speak. Well, and then I love the fact that this is that reminder about your boundaries and, and that of course, while you were talking about it, it's like, Oh, I should realize re- revisit some of mine. That's a great reminder. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate that. So, well, this has been really fun to explore and to dive into chapter four as deeply as we did. Uh, And we haven't chatted in a while, so I'm glad to do it. Um, Thank you, listeners, for listening in on chapter four. We will have chapter five in September, uh, or excuse me, in October. October. Because this is September. Just smile and nod at me. (laughs) Um, And we look forward to working with you guys. And we would love to hear what you think of this chapter and what you what you explored and what you found please remember to take a look at the show notes as well as the facebooks to get those freebies that jamie created which we love that she does and uh, we look forward to chatting with everyone we want to say again a good thank you to kendra for all of her editing and her music that we get to use at the beginning and end of our show and again thank you jamie for being part of this world and thank you rose And if you use any different Celtic cross positionings or meanings, please tell us. I actually want to know now because I I want to see what else I can do with this spread because it's a heck of a lot more versatile than I originally thought. So thank you all for listening. Once again, I have a free download. Check our show notes and check the Facebook page to get it. And we'll see you next time. for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions.